guys. Welcome to another episode of the So-Called Oreo podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kia Swin, with... Oh, Janae. Janae, you have one job. Oh, my God. I have one job. And I messed up. The only other Listen, y'all. Listen. 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 So, I work in Brooklyn, right? Where the pace is just a little bit slower. Like, it's just turned down a notch. And I think I was just in, like, a good cruising mood. Then I got on the train, and a man bumped me, and I almost fell. And What? Then a homeless man was brushing up against me, which was very frustrating. This is then all I, right now? Like yeah. Yeah. This, this okay. is, like, in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, then I get lot. here, and I walk past the studio because they changed the lobby. Yeah, a UPS you... man asked me if I knew where I was going, oh and I God. felt stupid so this i am like on another yeah you're plane, in another another world but i'll reel it in guys i'll reel it in for you that's a lot that's i'm a janae lot. by the way if i say that already hey yeah. guys so it's just us two today because we have a guest which we who we will introduce shortly but um yeah so rachel and amari will be back for the next episode but yeah so just today it's gonna be me and janae and i'm beep, gonna beep, get <laughs> I can never do that. I love that. Um, I'm going to get into this week in Black History. Okay. So this week in Black History, February 23rd, 1965, Constance Baker Motley was elected Manhattan Borough President, the highest elective office held by a black woman in a major American city. Um, February 24th, 1864, Rebecca Lee Crumpler became the first black woman to receive a medical degree. She graduated from New England Female Medical College. And lastly, February 27th, 1872, Charlotte Ray graduated from Howard Law School and became the first African-American lawyer in the United States. Also, it's Black History Month. What's up? Hey. I decided to go with a theme of higher education. Which I love. Elevation, yeah. I love it. Always try to go with a theme in the history facts and it's Black History Month. So I feel like to highlight the woman. I feel like when we talk about like successful black people we don't talk enough about people who are lawyers doctors we just we just don't yeah it's important that we do that more yeah for sure yeah i think that's first black woman to graduate from a medical college 1864 that's that's really impressive i thought it would be lower uh like later like 1900 i you know i thought so too yeah but we've been doing a great job since Since like i don't know Prior. Girl, no, the beginning well, of time. We, we, we started have, this. We don't have stats, you know, prior. Well, everyone Slavery. came from Africa. <laughs> yeah, I know. So there you go. We started it. <laughs> um, anything else you want to highlight before we get into it? No. Gucci? Okay, guys. <laughs> uh, it's time to introduce our guest, Kimberly Cummins. Kimberly is the creator of Manifest Yourself, a digital platform built to promote community excellence and support for minority professionals looking to shatter glass ceilings in their respective industries. Through live events and interactive Interactive content, Manifest Yourself, provides resources and opportunities for professionals looking to do more, be more, and achieve more. Kimberly, thank you, and welcome to the podcast. 
Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm We're excited, excited to have you. too. So a little background. Um, I met Kimberly at Warner Media, where I'm employed for uh, <laughs> Make You Matter Week. It was actually the first session I went to for Make Your Matter Meet Week. It's basically a week where Warner Media provides us with like insight and happiness and make you feel special. And this is my first year at Warner Media, so I was like, oh, what is this about? But this was the first thing I went to, and it was honestly the best one. So everything else was kind of like subpar after this. So I was wondering, yeah. (laughs) But it was like two hours. We got this workbook, which we'll discuss. Um, Yeah, it was great. And I was like, I feel like she will resonate well with the podcast. So I wanted to bring her on. And she was so kind to to join us today. Thank you so much. That is the best compliment. I feel like when you speak in front of audiences, you never know what people are thinking. You're just sitting there like, I hope they don't think I suck. Oh, not at all. Oh, no. No, It was great. So it's good. I even. Um, talked. I mean, it came. Your workshop came up with someone else like uh, two weeks ago, and then he was like, "Yeah, I'm doing the workbook and all stuff." So yeah, oh, it definitely good, resonated good, with good. a lot of people. That's amazing. Um, but like, just to jump in, what is manifesting? Because I'm completely new. I didn't go to the workshop. I don't have the workbook. Kia was just like, this is is great. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, Kia was like, this is great. Let's talk to her. Let's do it. So (laughs) I am the novice here. I'm the dumb one. Give me the low down. So I will say how I look at manifesting is a little bit different because I think especially in minority communities, when you hear manifesting, people think woo-woo. People think you are sitting (laughs) cross-legged under a tree. Maybe with some hookah or like a henna tattoo and you're eating granola and you're like oming and eyeing. Like that's not what I think of manifesting. I think to me, I define manifesting as the ability to create the life that you desire. Mm. And by being intentional with your thoughts, your efforts and your actions to really manifest the life that you desire. That's why my site is called Manifest Yourself, because I believe that as corny as it sounds, you can be all you can be if you are intentional about it. So many times you see people like, oh, I want to, or I really wish I could, or I wish that could happen to me. But I feel like you can get that done on your own. You just have to kind of hone in and really focus on what you'd like to happen. Oprah talks about it a lot. She says she is the strongest manifester. And she says it's because she has an intention, she puts it into the universe and she lets it go. And she learns to what they call vibrate on the level of that intention. So let's, I do career development. So let's say you want to be a director, you're a manager, and you say, I want to be a director in a year. You put that out into the universe, you're specific, but then you start doing things that align with being a director. You stop, you know, having some of that water cooler talk. You start getting on higher level projects. You start manifesting the things that align with the director role versus the role you're currently in. And in time, I believe that your actions, your intentions, your thoughts, all of that comes together to give you what you've been looking for. That's great. And you touched on um, how people in our community are like, woo-woo and like, (laughs) Um, So why is the idea of manifesting not that popular in general, but also like specifically in the black community, like you kind of mentioned, like we have this like weird connotation with it? I don't know. You know, similar to... Maybe this isn't the right analogy to use, but how black people look at mental health almost, right? Yeah. They're like, you know, pray about it. 
mm-hmm. when you have problems in your marriage in the black community. Pray about it. Pray about it. <laughs> yeah. Go to church. And yeah. I always say I am very active. Like I go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I go to the doctor, all those things. I believe that God gives you resources. He gives you skills that you can use to do these things. It's not just going to church and just praying about it and talking about it. You need to act. You need to walk the walk and help put these things together. So I think with manifesting, people think like maybe it's just, you know, that's that's not like it's not quote unquote connected to a higher being. So I'm wondering if that's where it comes from. Mm. That's that's interesting you mentioned that because I also just started going to therapy. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a little bit about getting comfortable telling people that I'm in therapy now and especially like family and stuff and being like, I'm in therapy. And they're like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> but yeah, back to your point of black people, I do think that we have like a church God sticker yeah. and it's less about like working. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us some of the work that you did just to like start your business and what drove you to get to that point of being like, I want to do this as a business? Oh, gosh. I feel like in the field of career development, everyone needs career development, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone has to work to make money in some capacity. And I built my career in higher education. So I worked in schools for probably almost nine years. And before that, I oh, worked wow. in marketing, a little bit of finance, but the bulk of my career is building it in career education at higher education institutions. So I love that you picked Black History Month, yeah, <laughs> highlighting like, people in higher like ed. This is connected to our guests. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I saw that as much as the work I was able to do there, there were so many people outside of that work that also needed help. And I'm someone when I love something, I was very passionate about it. The first time I ever saw a student get an internship as a direct result of working with me, I was hooked. And then when they got a full-time job making more money than me, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is helping people. This changes your life. And I started to speak about it more. I started to volunteer more. And naturally people started saying, oh, well, outside of the college I work with, could you work with me or could you work with my sister or could you work with my son or my daughter or my friend? And it started to steamroll into a business. Mm. And I noticed that as I was testing some of the methodologies that I wasn't necessarily able to test in the container of an institution, that my clients were getting even more success because I was able to be even more candid. Mm. I worked at some really great institutions in my background. I won't mention them because I'm not representing any employer today. Amen. Yes. Yes. Snaps to you, queen. Yes. That's that's a disclaimer for legal for anybody. (laughs) You always have to put that out there. But I realized I could be much more candid. And sometimes you can't do that. Everyone knows at work you have to, you can't necessarily be your full self and speak the way you'd like to. There were things I wanted to kind of dig into a little bit more. And I was able to do that with my private clients and going places like Warner Media. Mm-hmm. And I saw the results were even better. And it just started to steamroll from there. It started from a need and people asking. And I was like, oh, this is this is great because full disclosure, I started my business a while before, but not really to career coaching. I was honestly blogging online. Mm-hmm. I say I was playing on the internet before blogging was even as cool as it is now. I had a blog talking about health and wellness and I was 70 pounds lighter. <laughs> I have all all the fitness equipment you can imagine. I actually have <laughs> in my home for free because of all my days of blogging about health and wellness. Hmm. So how... Um... Because you're, I mean, I feel like Manifest Yourself is pretty big. I mean, because Warner Media had, like, really big, I mean, only top-notch for Making Matter Week. So how long has Manifest Yourself, like, been out as a platform? So it's been official since June 2013. 
Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're hitting about seven years. Yes, yeah, so seven years. And Warner Media found me because I did two workshops at South by Southwest oh, okay. last year. So they saw me on that roster doing my planning workshop and something on helping people thrive in the gig economy because a lot of people now are doing more contract mm-hmm. work versus full-time salary jobs. Awesome. Okay. Um, so you mentioned career coaching. What does that typically like involve? And like, when would you su- suggest someone to like seek out career coaching and or mentorship? Is it similar to like life coaching? Yeah, like also. Oh, that's a great. Like, what's the difference? I yeah, because most people probably don't know what's the difference between life coach versus career coach. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. just like vomited on her. (laughs) No, 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 no. I think those are all really valid questions because people will ask me, like, well, are you a life coach? Like, no, I'm not a life coach. I'm working on a very specific area. Every life coach is different. So I am not speaking on behalf of all life coaches. But I will say for me, career coaching, it is we talk about a lot of things that impact your career. So a lot of times I'll talk to my clients about confidence. I talk to them about personal appearance. I talk to them about executive presence, um, having tough conversation. So a lot of it may overlap with things you may talk about with a life coach. But for me, it's strictly to the career context. So people generally call me when um, they feel underlooked and undervalued at their job. Mm. They are negotiating for a salary and they have no idea how to go through that process. I'm a trained salary negotiation facilitator. So people are like, I don't even know how to ask my boss for new money when this performance appraisal comes up or they're looking for a new job. If they are unclear on what their next steps should be. So they're maybe not tired, but they're like, I'm kind of lackluster or maybe I want to switch careers. Mm -hmm. People generally call when they have questions in that context. Now, when is it time to call a career coach? I would say if you feel like you're making a transition, you need help. Hmm. I think that if you're making any type of life transition, the same way I feel like in therapy, they say therapy is not necessarily like you do it for this time period, then it's over. It's any type of life adjustment you go through. Like I'm married and we did premarital counseling and they told us in there, like, you know, a lot of people who do really well in their marriage, they kind of check in, you know, every few years, like you have a baby, you know, check in a little bit. Things are going to shift. Have another kid. Ah, you may want to shift again. Someone's making drastically more money. Mm, Time to talk. Like parents are getting a little older and you're getting toward that phase of life. You may want to check in again. I think a career coach is the same thing as you're shifting. When you think about your career, when I was early on in my career with no responsibilities, essentially, like I had some responsibilities, but nothing that would keep me up at night. Like when I was able to put my laptop down, no email on my phone and nobody would want me, nothing could blow up is very different than where I am now in my career, where I haven't got my inbox under like 70 in a long time. And I'm trying. And these are things <laughs> I need to respond to. But the more I respond, the more they come up. Yeah. I know that when I'm on vacation, something could blow up. And it's not even it blew up in New York. It could be the region that I help out in Phoenix. Yeah. Or it could be something in Canada or maybe one of our global leaders needs something. It's a different level. So I think when you come to a new level in your career or you're aspiring for something different and you feel that you may not be equipped and you need help, then you may want to call help. Mm. You could also call a mentor or a coach or a sponsor that you're working with. But if you want a formal career coach, I think that's also a great time to get like an unbiased opinion. Um, I love that I don't necessarily have an initially close relationship with my clients. Yeah. So when I talk to you, 
I can probably spot things a little bit faster because I'm not clouded by, oh, you know, I remember when you got your first internship when you got Mm -hmm. this. I'm like, nah, girl, you just said this. Keep it real. Don't you ever say that again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You will not get any job if you continue to go on this path. Yeah. Okay. Now, you had mentioned before about, you know, being frank with um, people that you work with. And I kind of just got a feel of some frankness right there. <laughs> I mean, what are, what are some of the things that you say to motivate people that you work with? That I work with. So you're talking about in my business or in my nine to five? In your nine to five. So I'm definitely, as much as I was just frank right then, my people know they can call me when they need the battery in their back. Mm. I think one of my favorite people who I've managed, who I still keep in contact with, I'm that person who you call when I'm like, you've got this, like you have all the information you need and you're equipped to do this job. I talk a lot about trusting yourself and trusting your judgment, especially if you work on my team, even for Manifest Yourself or for my corporate job. I don't like to employ people who... I can't trust to do the job on their own. I like to hire smart people who are going to supersede the goals that I set for them and are looking to move up within a company. I don't like to hire people who want to settle mm-hmm. and just kind of let me just do this right here. Yeah. And don't don't look over here because 501 hits. I'm right at the elevator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want people who are down in the grit. So I think I definitely motivate my team as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in my nine to five and outside and really trying to pull out the skills that they may not see in themselves and allow them to be their most authentic selves in the workplace and also encourage them to try things. So if they know they have an area that's weak, I like to encourage them to practice, practice with me. And then I will give you opportunities where you can practice in front of others so you can master that skill. Um, so I know Manifest Yourself, You, most of your clients are women of color, people of color, women, that type of group. Um, and you mentioned that a lot of your clients struggle with asking for more money or a career shift. Um, what are some of the other struggles that your clients come to you for? And then why do you think that specific, your target audience group has a hard time with that as opposed to like maybe a straight white guy won't have that much you know, issues asking for money. Um, Because, like, you never never really hear that story. It's just like, yep, just ask for 10K more and got it, you know? Yeah. So I feel like maybe that group, we're not aware as much, or what is your thoughts on that? Well, so even when we're comparing just women and men in general, and even if we're comparing within the same ethnicity groups, like when I talk to black men about asking for more money and I talk to black women about asking for more money— Still the many non-white men still are just like, nah. That's so true, yeah. I don't care. Like my husband, yeah. I feel like I'm the resident career coach within our friend group. People would generally be like, hey, just so you know, if you don't mind taking a quick look, this is what I got. <laughs> like, do you mind helping me out real quick? And for my close my friend circle, I will. And the men always just go for it. Sometimes to the point where I'm like, bro, that's not reasonable (laughs) for this geographic area. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't suggest that. Like, for the level you're at, but they just go for it. I feel that for black women, it's really getting comfortable with stepping out into the sun. Mm. Stepping out and being able to be at the forefront 
I think a lot of times in our careers, we spend so much time being behind the scenes, like pumping up other leaders, especially when you look at a lot of these large Fortune 500 companies. There's this big like edification of our leaders. Like it's like the VPs, the SVPs. Oh, my gosh, that's a president. That's a this person that you spend so much time trying to do work to make them look good. You forget how to make yourself look good. Mm. And I think that's just across the board. I think it's getting comfortable with that transition from I'm so happy to get a job which is like that just out of college mentality, especially any of us who, like I know I graduated from undergrad in 08. That was not a good time to graduate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At all. Not at that all. That was the worst time to graduate. Yeah. You were just happy to get a job. Yeah. Like a job that was not retail with a degree. You were excited. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of shifting, especially when we're talking about like our millennial and Gen Xers who were in school, even grad school during that time period. I think it's how do you get comfortable with talking about your skill set and understanding that connects you to a dollar amount. As business owners, we have we sell products or services, right? Like that's how you make money. You have a pro- you're a product or you have a service. And that's the same thing that you are as a professional. You're essentially lending your skills. You're lending a service to a company. Your knowledge could be your product. So how can you package that to speak about yourself? I think it's just getting comfortable with some of those terms. And I wish I had a better answer as to why. Um, but I think it's something that is common within women. I do a lot of speaking at women's groups, women's events, and I think women across all different races, backgrounds, it's across the board where I see a lot of this happen. Do you think that's like, sorry, do you think that's like something that's taught? I think think it has a lot to do with the way we're socialized. I think men are taught to go out and get it. Like from beginning, you're taught you're a hunter, gatherer, you need to provide, get all the stuff. Women are like, I'm over here in my box, making everything feel a home, making everything feel good and nice. Because I talked to my father about this. There was a time where I was, you know, trying to go for a raise and I just felt so like, just leery about it. And my dad was just like, just do it. Like, just do it. And I'm like, but how do I just do it? You know, I I was just so nervous about it. And he literally said to me, men get more raises because they ask for them. That's Mm -hmm. it. They're just like, Mm -hmm. you can't take my birthday away. If I don't get it, then I don't get it. But other than that, I'm going to ask. And women are just like, but what happens if I don't get it? Yeah. That's my little two cents. I feel like that's a similar mentality in dating, too. Like, no, maybe I guess they get a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So men just shoot their shot. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot your shot, whatever. Like, if even if the guy's a two and the girl's a 10, they're still like in the DMs. It's like, what? Like, that's never going to happen. But they're still like, I don't care. Shoot my shot. It's so true. And girls are like, what can I provide in a relationship? I don't want to be too clingy. I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. So that's that's how I see it. I saw the similarities there. No. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I think what scares me when I talk about, and I have a workshop that I teach um, on salary negotiation. And what I try and drive home in the beginning of the workshop is the difference it makes when you negotiate. Mm. When you look at the trajectory of your earning potential over like a 30, 40, 50 year career, the lower you start, it gets harder and harder to make it up. Mm. And you look at what that means for your retirement, for your benefits, all of that trickles down where you end up retiring with less money because you didn't negotiate then. 
And it's not just like less retirement money, though that's less vacations, that's less vacation time, yeah. that's less um, paying down your student loan debt, that's less all the good things we want to enjoy in life because you don't negotiate what you deserve for the work. Would you say just on that vein, would you say to always negotiate even if you think the number that you're getting is high enough? Would you say just like push the envelope? Like when you have a job offer and they yeah. offer you a flat amount. Yeah. And you, in, in in your heart and in your soul, you're like, that's fine. Nah, you but gotta push. Should should you still be right like, <laughs> should you still ask for like, I don't know, five or 10,000 more dollars just to be like. I'm always Let's on the see. fence about that. And some mm. people are very adamant about like, yeah, like get that extra, get that extra. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like if you, what I teach my clients is that the goal is never to get an offer that you have to negotiate. That's not the goal. Hmm. The goal is to position yourself appropriately through the entire hiring process so that they give you a good offer because they want you to be there. One of my signature programs is Next Move, Best Move. And a lot of what we talk about is how to make your next move your best move clearly in your career. And when we get to the interview process, it's from the moment they talk to you, you're giving them an experience. You're giving them insight on who you are, what you want to do, how you can impact the company. It's how can you drive that conversation from the beginning? So your recruiter, the hiring leader, all of the colleagues there, all of them know. It's like, I have got, no, she's got to be here. Mm. There's no way. Like, I don't even understand how she's just talking to us. Like, I know she's got 10 people. So let's give her this offer that you can't refuse. And I think when you start with the research and you know your numbers, so when they ask you that question on the phone, most people wait until like they think the conversation is at the end of the interview process. Like when they give you the letter, now you got to come back and fight. It's like, no, 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 no. When they call you on the phone, many recruiters today will ask you, well, what is the range you're looking for? You should have your number then so that you are clear on what it is. So if they come back with the number that you wanted and you know that is market value for the role even above – you could if you want to, but I don't necessarily think you have to. Mm. That's why I'm always like, uh, you could you could go and ask. Like, of course, more money is more money. Yeah. But I think the higher salary you make, like, you know, when taxes come out, I think anything less than 10K more really ends up being peanuts at the end of the day. Yeah. It's, is it worth it? Like, to go back and forth, do you want to? Like, it's highly, highly, highly unlikely they will take the offer away. But if you know the offer is good— it's what you said you wanted. They came to the table with everything you wanted. Yeah. Maybe you got a signing bonus, this, that, the third. No need to negotiate. But okay. if anything changes, I do know, like, for some role, even myself included, I've gone into some roles where, like, yeah, well, I should have. Maybe I wasn't paying attention to the interview process yeah. because I think this job is a little bit more work than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> if you interview and you find out, like, oh, okay, this job description is really, like, it should have been, like, five pages longer. Mm-hmm. Then 100%, you can change the number you gave them. Like, no, I know I told you it's 125, but this is much more like a 140 job. Yeah. So please let me know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's basically based on, like, the situation and circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned Next Move, Best Move. Is yes. that what it's called? Yes. Um, the other, what are some other other workshops and I know we have the uh, stop dream- dreaming and start planning which she I literally she literally just whipped out the workbook I had to whip it up she, she whipped yeah. it out but I know Manifest Yourself has this workbook you have Next Move Best Move what are the other stuff and like what can do your clients um, gain from like the different workshops that you provide so I'll explain these to you for anyone who doesn't know so stop like dreaming and start planning I think stop dreaming and start planning I have the workbook in my hand I'm touching it 
y'all can't see me, but I am. This was my signature workbook that really teaches people how to set goals. Because so many times we're like, I want to achieve whatever it is. Like whether it's like I want to, I've had to lose how many pounds for how many years now. Like whatever that goal is, and you just say you want to do that thing or get that job, and you have no idea how to break the goal down. So this is the process that teaches you how to break things down. Everything from determining your core values, creating affirmations, breaking down what your goal is for 30, 60, and 90 days, and then breaking down the the individual tasks to make sure you know what to do. Because so many times we set goals, but if we don't write down the tasks that are associated with them, plan them, it's not going to happen. And next move, best move is a group career coaching program where I bring people through my process to position yourself for a five-figure salary increase. Mm, So there's about seven workshops in there, and I've done it where I teach it live this year. In the spring, I'll be launching it again, um, and I'll be giving some classes, but then I'll be doing a day-long mastermind for everyone who participates. Um, so they can have some more one-on-one time. I think virtual is great and it's amazing, but I know people really appreciate FaceTime. And I think in the business world, we have so many different retreats and classes and yeah. this and that. Like I'm going to one this weekend that you go to, but for career professionals, like we have like the larger associations, but that in-depth mastermind-like work, I don't see a lot of that. So mm-hmm. I want to create that for career professionals. So that one I say is for anyone who's like a mid-career plus professional who's ready to really make their next move. Those are the two programs that I really, really do. Everything else is more a la carte, like going into corporations and doing training and development programs for emerging leaders or execs on resilience. And I do do a little bit of one-on-one coaching for specific needs when someone's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going in your group. <laughs> I need you to myself. Yeah. One-on-one time. <laughs> one-on-one. And we sit down and I do that in like 90 minutes, three hours, or even I have a day-long intensive where it's just me and you in a room like this and we just hammer out what we need to for your career. So out of the um, two workshops and mm-hmm. the one-on-work, one-on-one work yeah. you do, which one is your favorite and why? I like the group. Okay. I like the group coaching because I love to create community. Mm. And I feel like in our jobs every single day, it can be so lonely. Yeah. Especially when you start to become that mid-career professional where you're getting ownership of your projects. There's some stress involved where you're managing your peers now. So you have to you have to be a little bit different. You move differently when you get to that phase of your career. And I think it's important to create community around that. So a lot of people will be like, oh, I need one-on-one. I need one-on-one. And I'm like, I think you could really benefit from the group. <laughs> because in the group environment, you meet other like-minded people who also invested in themselves. That already is a qualifier there. You're investing in your career development on your own. That already is a certain type of person. And you're together in this container, all going through different situations that are kind of the same. But you get my insights. But you also get the insights of the group to help you. So that's why it's my favorite, because I think people come in like, I just want to talk to Kimberly. I don't need to talk to anybody else. Like, But then they get there. They're like, oh, my gosh, like you work here. Oh, you work here. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about this. And people become friends and create their own like mentorship circle too okay for um so yeah we i did the workshop at warner media it was a group um and i just i remember actually specific things that people said like <laughs> i just didn't say it but this i'll never forget it because this one girl was like well you were telling us to map out our daily routine like what does this look like and this girl she was like yeah well i have three kids so it's just like a boring and i don't know how to like change it and it was just so like i was like wow i didn't even think about like having three kids like what the the routine would look like because mine was just like about me but she was like yeah i have three kids it's really hard to like make a daily routine mm. but yeah it's, it's good to have that insight but also with 
with um, this workshop, you make us do a 90-day plan. And so we had an episode on New Year's resolutions and how it talked mm-hmm. about 30 to 90 days breaking a habit and, and making a habit. Is that why you chose 90 days or why is the 90 days so important in this workshop? I pick 90 because you can actually see some success in 90 days. Like 30 is too short. 60 you can start seeing sometimes, but with 90 days, three solid months, if you are dedicated, you can see some exponential change. No matter what your goal is, you can start seeing improvement in a skill you're looking to develop. If you're on a job hunt, you should be able to develop some new relationships in that time period. You should start seeing some progress with whatever your goal is in 90 days. Um, and I also think that like a year is too long. Mm-hmm. Um, like running a marathon, I would not run a marathon. No, not not me. Like, Neither would I. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. To have the endurance to have the same goal over a year, I think it's very hard. There's also a book called The Twelve Week Year that I absolutely love, and I remember one of the quotes in that book, and I hope it was in this book and not something else because I read a lot. <laughs> Sometimes I quote wrong, but I think it's a 12-week year. They talk about the endurance that, like, the retail market has from, like, right before Thanksgiving through the end of the year. There are some companies that sell more in the end of the year, that, like, 60-day time period, but they plan for it all year long. Yeah. And that last quarter, they make up everything. Like, imagine if you treated your life in quarters. Like, if people plan for like the last quarter of the year like that. Imagine if you treated your life in quarters and acted like that was your year, essentially. You're sprinting for 90 days at a time. It's too much to think about sprinting 365 days, but to to sprint 90 days, like that's it. Like 90 days and you reset and then you go for the next one. I think it's a lot more attainable to kind of break out the year like that. Yeah, I feel like when I think about goals and it's like, okay, if I can dedicate three months hypothetically now um like during spring my idea is like do that and then i can enjoy the summer <laughs> then do another goal in the fall that's how i look at it I don't leave know. the summer free <laughs> yeah yeah leave the summer free so you you very much so do that i remember I, I very much so do yeah from like the moment i met kia we worked together in the past mm-hmm. and she was very much so like it would be you know winter time and she'd be like move move do things do things do things <laughs> yeah and then summer comes. Well, I'm chilling because yeah. it's summer. Yeah, and I'm like, right, I will like full on goal plan everything uh-huh. for like most of the year. But in the summer, like, do not party, yeah. hang out, yeah. have fun, yeah. chill. <laughs> no, I'm a huge is. fan. I'm yeah. a huge fan. I have problems with keeping to stuff. Got it. That that is. My thing, Kia was saying, we're gonna get you there. Yeah, because she, you, yeah, because it's like how you said manifesting and mm-hmm. like actually goal mm-hmm. planning. So she was saying these goals, and I was thinking, okay, how can we get you to those goals? Like, yeah. what are the next steps of like weight loss? Let's instead of like you said, um, a marathon, not a marathon, a sprint. Um, instead of saying like thirty pounds a year, or whatever, we would yeah. do like okay, two pounds a week or something like that. Which check in on my goals. Okay, okay. started intermittent fasting. Yes. And I started keeping like a financial tracker because another one of my goals was to become more financially stable and like financially literate. Um, So nice. Sticking the two goals, y'all. Your success story. Um, Kimberly, what are some of your client success stories? Or like what are the the ones that stick out to you from doing your workshop? Oh, gosh. Your faves. (laughs) 
My fave. So from the stop dreaming and start planning, I have quite a few clients who it was the first time they were able to stick to a plan. Mm. Like, like you said, they're like people, they just don't think about the tangible things you could do every single day. One of my favorite tips I give people is we create a goal statement in the workbook. And I personally, when I have my goal statement, I rewrite it every single day. Hmm. Every single day. So I'm like a paper and pen type of girl. So I have a notebook that I write in. When I'm working on my own 90-day action plan, I write it out at the beginning of every day and I write my task list. So it is always in front of me. And I've, I've had some clients who it became like monumental seeing it every single day. Um, I also have some clients who I have a set of affirmation cards that I gave to support my clients while they're going through that process if they would need some affirmations to help them. Um and it just being able to really stay top of mind. They put them all over their mirror. That always makes me happy when I get pictures. Um, and for next move, best move, for that, it's the salary increases. My clients have got, I think, all the way from 13K additional to I had a client who got like 38000 additional onto an offer um, of what they expected. So I'm like, wow. Oh, they had an the, offer and then they... They negotiated. Wow, yeah. thirty-eight k. Crazy, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and that makes a big difference. I think when you, it's all positioning and realigning yourself. Or my clients who've wanted to, uh, one of my clients wanted to change states. So like we went from the process of okay, so you're no longer going to be in New York. You want to be in Maryland. So how can we kind of figure this out? So building the network, networking appropriately, building the relationships, going through the job hunt, going through the interviews. Um, that's always amazing. And I always remember my first the person. That student who got the internship is actually still at that company today. It's oh, promoted wow. time over time over time again. And I'm like, oh. that just it reminds me that as I'm in the field and I'm growing as a professional, they're growing, growing with me. Yeah. So. That's amazing. Um, what are some tips for manifesting that you have that you could just, you know, sprinkle some wisdom? Manifesting tips. Hmm. I would say you have to find the part of manifesting that makes you feel good. Mm. So for me, rewriting my goal statement every single day is such a positive reminder for me. And it helps me immensely. Um, also, just surrounding yourself with more positive people, people who are also like striving for something. Like I have, I have friends who are like chin chilling all year. <laughs> all year long. But when I'm striving for someone, those really aren't people who I'm chilling with. Yeah. Like there's, there's a season for everybody. But when I'm really working hard, I need people who kind of get like, not necessarily maybe exactly what I'm doing, but I try and surround myself with like-minded professionals who are challenging themselves in their careers and their businesses to kind of keep me at the top of my game. I think surrounding yourself with positivity um, and having someone you can be accountable to. Mm. I think that's important. Accountability partner. It is. And it can be it can be anyone. I think I my girlfriends will tell you that I'm the queen of picking up people on the internet. <laughs> um two of them I think about my squad, we call ourselves the QBs. Two of the girls in the QBs, they said I slid in their DMs and they love to tell all my business. Like Kim legit just was like, Hey, like you're doing something cool, I'm doing something cool. We should be friends. That's amazing. And legit one of them was a bridesmaid at my wedding. <laughs> The other one was a personal trainer, and then she got, like, indoctrinated into, like, my squad of the girls who I, I met through the other girl. Um, so I find people, if, like, if you're doing something dope, like, I don't I don't need us to be best friends. I don't need I don't need the background of the story. I will pick someone up off the street if I feel like you're doing dope stuff, I'm doing dope stuff, and we will connect and build a connection. One of my favorite friends from online now is an offline friend, but we used to have a 6 a.m. Monday morning accountability talks, and we did it 
every Monday for a long time. Like at least over a year or so. How are, how what do those look like? So every Monday morning we'd get in and we'd recap the last week, mm-hmm. and then we'd talk about what our goals were for the week, and then we'd split the remaining time to kind of problem solve. So what areas are you having difficulties with, and how can I help you or provide you resources, and vice versa. And basically, if you need to like report that to someone, it's you're more likely to do the the goal as yeah. opposed to like if you're not checking in with yourself or anyone, you're like whatever. But if you're like, damn, I got to check in with Janae <laughs> next week, and I should tell her what updates. <laughs> I'm more likely to do it. Yeah, um, some people are self motivated, but I feel like there's a, I feel like a larger portion of people who it helps them to have the accountability. Like I knew, even if I was tired and slacking all week, I knew I had to talk to her on Monday. Mm-hmm. So Sunday, I'm gonna take a few hours yeah. and start knocking out some of the stuff because I had the pressure of the call and it was very rare I wanted to show up I'm like hey girl I'm sorry like yeah this week wasn't it. Yeah. I think it's allowing people to have a little bit of insight and not everybody you have to be selective, but figure out who's the person who you can really tell your goals and they'll hold you accountable. Like my husband's a great motivator, but not necessarily accountability partner. Mm. He will always motivate and support me appropriately. But the that accountability portion that's not really him. Yeah. I think I need the love from him. So I get offended if he tries to hold me too accountable. Yeah. You're like, this is not your lane. You're Basically. Love lane. Just, just love me <laughs> and be nice. Like with the gym. He goes to the gym. My husband goes to the gym um, six days a week. And he's there for one to two hours every single Ooh. morning. Like he's at 5 a.m. class. Oh. Prime example. I told you I want to lose weight multiple times. He's like, baby, come to the gym. Come to the gym, babe. I don't like group classes, so I don't want to go to the gym with him. Yeah. I don't like the style of training. And he was getting so forceful about it. Like we fought about it. I was like, I don't want to go to the gym. I said I don't want to go. I'm not going to the gym. And that, over time, I ended up going and I found something that I do like there. But he was so pushy, pushy, pushy. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. Versus it was someone else who talked to me. I was like, girl. You are 32. Ooh. 32. And do you want to look like Gabrielle Union at 35 or Cicely Tyson at 35? <sighs> and I was like, okay. I think I'm well, when you work. put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> then I got it together. But yeah. if my husband said that, I would have been like, I'm not talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I completely We're fighting. I, yeah. Yeah, I'd, be, I'd be the same way. I'd yeah. be like, you could square up. Yes. Um, so our other co-host, um, who's in North Carolina, Amari, she was like, we were all talking about manifesting and she was like, uh, not like kind of about it, whatever. But I remember coming up to you after the workshop and I was like, cause you make us, uh, kind of like split up life into a couple portions. So mm-hmm. whether it's health, career, love, stuff like that and like rate it and say like, whichever is the lowest, this is what you should work on. So uh, my question to you was after that, like, what are your tips for like manifesting things that like, aren't necessarily in our control, like career. So, like, is more so in our control as opposed to, like, finding a long-life partner or if our health is not great or stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, because we can talk about, like, okay, map up our goals for, like, our side hustle, our career, but, like, mapping out a boyfriend, like, it don't really <laughs> work not like that. that. Easy. <laughs> so, like, I know there are manifesting stuff, like, right around what you, you like and stuff, but what are your tips for things that aren't necessarily in our control, like career? Like career. So with career and even with love, both ways, I think it's about what is in your control. Mm. So the first thing is self-assessment. So that was like a mini self-assessment. But when I'm working one-on-one or I'm going to have my groups, like we get a little bit deeper into it. Like 
knowing where you are with whatever it is. So with your career, what is the gap? So in Next Move, Best Move, we talk about the gap. Like what is the gap between where you are and where you'd like to be? And what can we do to close that gap? So if you're a manager now and you need to be a director, what are the skills that are currently missing or need to be promoted in order for you to get into that next role? And I think that's where you can be intentional. So of course, the opportunity has to arise. Like your boss may have to sign off on it, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, what can you do to help close that gap as much as possible? And even with love, I think when I think I met my husband on Tinder. What? It can happen, y'all. I always tell no. my friends, it can happen. It can happen. There's always like that one person that's like, oh, a friend's cousin, sister's brother met the love of their life on Tinder. But now we have a real Not life my, example. Two of yeah. my friends. No, three example. of my friends have met their boyfriends on Twitter and one just got engaged this December. I'm telling you, it happens. I gave up on Tinder. Gave up. I tell her not to give up. But it. I think it's multiple things. Like I think it had a strategy, which could be a whole different podcast episode <laughs> of how I approach dating. But I think when it came to dating, I wasn't just swiping and being like, there's nobody good on here. Like, this is terrible. Here we go, Janae. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) I was very cognizant of like, okay, I'm going to also work on myself and I'm going to create space to have someone in my life Mm. to make sure like I clear out other things. So like, I don't want some man coming into my life and be like, it looks like you got all these other players back here like you got all these people who your boundaries aren't tight with yet or you have overbearing girlfriends I started going places by myself I went out to bars by myself and I challenged myself to not take out my phone and I would sit there and I would talk to someone even if it was a female bartender I would sit and I would talk to the bartender and I forced myself to have a conversation I'll never forget in Penn Station one night I had the opportunity to take a train early but it would have been like super early so I'm like you know what I, you know, I want to find a man. Let me take my behind back into like the Penn Station. And I sat at the TGI Fridays there. I had an amazing conversation with someone, this man, all the way from out in Long Island. And he was some type of engineer, like aerospace engineer. Amazing conversation. There was no connection. Like there was a love connection. But things like that help me like exercise my muscle like learning how to flirt a little bit more and learning how to just be open to experiences learn not to rely on my phone not being closed off like my husband will say something small that I did when we were dating and he first started sleeping over I needed new pillows for my bed and I like fancy things mm-hmm. so the pillow was expensive and I remember I was shopping with one of my girlfriends and she's like well girl it's just you like go ahead and get one and keep get a cheap pillow for the other side and I was like no I'm gonna get two of the fancy ones she's like well why I'm like well you know if I come over and Kevin comes and he sleeps on. He noticed that his pillow is mad whack. And I have this super plush mm-hmm. down yeah. feather hypoallergenic like cooling side pillow. He's going to be like, well, you didn't even like, like, really? Like, yeah. he's going to look at He won't say it, but he's going to feel he's it. He's going like, to think about it. Oh, she doesn't see me long term. Exactly. Like, like, just in his mind. So, like, <clears throat> I always made sure, like... I did this feng shui shui workshop and it talked about how when you want love in your life, you make sure that you can get off your bed on both sides because you never want, like, as the person who's sleeping in the bed, you never want to be the one on the wall, right? Mm-hmm. I have to climb over. So I literally, like, I refunctuated my apartment and I made sure that I can get off my bed on both sides so that when a man were to come and sleep over and when that time came, we both had a side to get off on. I think there's little things you can do in your career and love, whatever it is, even if it's outside of your control, to make sure you're putting the best foot toward whatever that action is. And also, I was research. I honestly researched manifesting after this workshop. So I was like, <laughs> what, what do people yeah. say for manifesting love? And a lot of the tips were um, think about like how 
like, think about how you feel when you have a partner. So if you want a partner, think about, like, oh, wow, I woke up today with my partner. I feel so, like, great. Like, stuff like that. Do you think that helps, too? With, like, mindset and, like, feelings? and A little bit. So I'm not sure if we did the exercise at Warner, but I normally do this exercise where it's called the ideal day. And you really set yourself up to think about what is the ideal day when you wake up where whatever the goal is has been achieved. So you can really visualize it. So I think that's kind of similar in that like you can think about it, but I do it where when I do it one-on-one with someone, I ask you questions. I write them all down. And I mean, I go granular, like exactly what time did you wake up? What is the first thing that you did when your feet hit the floor? What did you have for breakfast? Like, did you pee first or did you do this? Like, what had happened there? Like, where are you sitting in the office? Like, we go from the morning all the way into the night. And then I read it back to you so you can hear it. It is not unfamiliar for someone to start crying because they're like, oh, my gosh, this feels so good. But then also they get a little worried. It's like, this is so far from where I am right now. Mm. But I think... Once you feel it, you know, it feels a little bit more possible and you can start thinking about little daily things you can do that will help you. It's like when I go on vacation, I feel like I live my absolute best black life, (laughs) the absolute best. But when I came home, I was like, Kim, like, you don't got to live in squalor. Like, what is this? I actually, one of the best vacations I went on, I went on a retreat. I bought the robe from the resort. So that I can teach myself, like, at home, like, Kim, you can have this. Like, yeah. you can bring a piece home. So I think it's figuring out if this is what I really want. Like, what are the little pieces I can do every day that will help you kind of change your vibration? Like they say when you think about manifesting, raise your vibration to where you'd like to be. Yeah. And um, just to, to close out, tell us what's next for you or what you have on the horizon. Oh, gosh. What's next? What's next? Uh, so 2019 was a year of a lot of growth, and I was very, very busy. Like, I would say I know I was busy because I hit premiere on my flight. I hit another status on my hotel rewards, like, because I was I was busy. I was, booked and busy. Yes, and yes. 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 Booked, busy, but I think tired also comes on the end. <laughs> so in 2020, I say is my year about increasing my capacity. I'm doing a lot of things, but I want to make sure that I'm doing them well and I'm making a great impact. So I think it's just doubling down on things that work. I used to have a lot more products and services and things that I was testing. I'm like, no, what I feel like my people need are Stop Dream and Start Planning and my Next Move, Best Move program. So those are like my core focuses to make sure I'm serving those people and scaling it so I can reach more people. And on a fun new side, I'm working on writing a book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my first book. So uh, Crossing Fingers, maybe next time I talk to y'all, um, I'll have a book deal. But I'm yeah. working on talking to publishers to have my first book go out because I realize career coaching is something I believe most professionals need. And when you talk to execs, um, what kills me is when you really talk to executives, a lot of executives have executive coaches, which are career coaches just for executives. Mm -hmm. They have coaches who are helping them and grooming them and teaching them. And in minority communities, we're still not even doing it yet. There are people who've had career coaches since college. I work with a firm where I specifically help coach college students. Like they're all in college. I'm talking to sophomores, juniors, and they are from high net worth families. So there is a gap there. And one of the reasons why I want to write the book is because if I can input my knowledge, if maybe you can't afford to hire me, you can't afford to necessarily go to a conference, you can hopefully buy a book. You can buy a book. And if you 
implement what I talk about in this book, you should be able to still see change in your career. That's amazing. So where can people find Manifest Yourself? They can go to manifestyourself.com um, and all my information is there. And I'm at Manifest, U-R-S-C-L-F, Manifest Yourself on all social media platforms. And we will add that to the show notes. Thank you, Kimberly, for speaking with us. Um, we are going to go into Janae's little segment and then we will close out the episode. All right. Thank you for having me. Okay, y'all. This is Talking Mess. I really am not sure what this segment's yeah, called. Yeah, she changes it every I week. I change it every <laughs> single solitary week. It's just Janae's segment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this week, Craig wrote in. He said, hey, guys, um, I love your show. I'm a first-generation Asian-American who loves their job, but I hate my coworkers. I work in digital media, so it's slightly diverse and a little more flexible than other workplaces. It's a super casual work environment where people often joke around. But my white coworkers can sometimes take it too far, and this week, one in particular, joked around by calling me her little panda bear. In the moment, I was so shocked that I just kind of nervously laughed, but it made me extremely uncomfortable. I wanted your opinion on whether this is something worth reporting or if I'm being too sensitive and should wait for another incident. So my personal idea is that one, I'm so sorry you went through that. Like this is something that you know, us Oreos have talked about so many times on this podcast, things that we have went through so many times. So I'm sorry. It's so hard with little things like that. And sometimes they catch you off guard and you're like, uh, uh, in the moment. Um, but personally, I, th- I think it's something that you should report. It's little, but they should learn. They should know. What do you say, Kimberly? I think you need to say something. And you can decide how far you'd like to escalate it. Yeah. Um, But I'm a big believer in you need to speak to that person or speak to your supervisor, go to HR, whatever makes you feel comfortable. But Mm -hmm. you should say something um, because it made you feel uncomfortable. And if you know you're not going to be able to shrug it off, because I I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. You remember those things. You remember those things. You really do. You really do. Go ahead and say something. Yeah. Respectfully. Mm Mm-hmm. And to, to piggyback on that, you mentioning HR going to that specific coworker or going to a higher up, if you're not comfortable talking to that specific person, because we all know that it can be tough to confront someone mm-hmm. after they said something like rude to you, um, go to HR because you never know that person could they could have a habit of doing things like this. And if you go to HR and a case is built, this might be. This might create room for disciplinary action on several different levels. So you might be helping someone else out, too. So, yeah. It's true. I didn't even think about it like that. Um, yeah, because you hear a lot of, like, the sexual harassment things, and it's yeah. like a lot of girls are like, I thought I was the only one. But then it's like, no, nah, he did this to, like, 90 other people. So, like, yeah, you never know. You really never know. Built against someone. And in that case, it doesn't. Sometimes I think people get so scared, like, oh, are they going to get fired? I don't want them to get fired. I just want them to stop. Yeah. Like, HR will help figure out what is the appropriate action. Way to go about it. It doesn't yeah, always have to mean they're going to lose their job expense, tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, Like that comment, they probably won't get fired the next day, but there's going to be disciplinary action that's exactly. appropriate for what happened. And, and not only that, this is something that I do feel that in general, 
white people need to be talked to about. I think a lot of times, it, not even specifically white people, actually, I think that we as people make harmful statements. And a lot of times we're not even we don't even know how they could be harmful. And if someone calls you out on it and you're not an idiot, this could be an illuminating moment for you where you're like, oh, my God, I didn't even mean it that way. You know, so report it, my mans. Sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, that's that's just weird. I never heard anyone say that little panda bear. I know. It's rude. It's just it's very why? rude. Like why? Like why? What? What made you want to say that? Yeah, what's going through your head? What was that second we were gonna say? Huh? Like, what made you do that or something? Why every did week, you say that? Why did, what was well, it? I don't know. Every week we're like, why did you do that? Who does that? Who does that? I don't know. I don't know. We forgot. Well, but anyway. Whatever. All right. <laughs> um, thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the So-Called Oreo podcast. Please follow us on all social media at So-Called Oreos. And you can email us at socalledoreos at gmail.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and Google Play. And please remember to like, rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Thank you. And also, please stop texting us what we should do on the show. Please email us. Please email us. I'm not going to freaking remember the text. Please. I'm not. I get so many texts from people like, oh my God, I love the show. You should do this. Uh-huh. Please leave a review and Just leave a review. send an email. Send so an email. We say it after every doggone episode. And like, y'all listen to the end. So exactly. <laughs> Help us out. Dang. <laughs> anyway. We'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye.